Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so yesterday, a clip surfaced of J.J. Redick telling Joel Embiid that he was one of the three best players on the planet. Joe heard it, but Joe still had questions. You have two of the, you know, two or three best players in the world going at it toe-to-toe. It's awesome. Wait, wait, two of the three? You know, two of the three best players. That's why I said two of the three. Was it the... Wait, so if you say two of the three, so that means I'm either one, two, or three. Yeah, and that means that means me and KD we only two or three. So who's the number one? No, no, no. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm saying I'm not going to make an argument about who the three best players in the world are. I just want to know who's up there. Other people make that argument. I'm just saying, in my eyes, like you're you're one of the three best players in the world. Okay, and so is Kevin. I, That's what, so, that was my point. So I'm not going to get into one, two, three, though? three, two, one. It's not I just want to know who's the third. Jokic. 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 Where's Giannis? He, he's, in, he's in the next group. JJ! That did JJ! not go very well for you. JJ! Joe did not love that answer. And nor was he done with JJ either. There's too many good players now. There's too many good players, Joe. Oh, that's the finals MVP. <laughs> too many good players. <laughs> Two times MVP, finals MVP. He's back in the ESPN we're get, we're, crazy. We're, we'll we'll, we'll yo, get to this later. The, the, the reason I, anyways, the reason I highlighted this is... is <laughs> Joe. He just turned that on you. <laughs> wow. I think we got the new host of the show. This is, this is what I'm talking about, though. Like This perfectly highlights you are a troll ass. <laughs> Like, this is the highlight of that. I'm telling you, man. J.J. Redick is one of the smoothest, sharpest NBA analysts in the business. And Joe just turned that cat inside out. He had J.J. flustered. Joe took him down into the post, got him in the blender, left him shaking, and it was hilarious. But why don't we go back to Joe's question? Where's Giannis? Yeah, don't worry. I got you, Joe. I will answer that for you. Giannis was in Brooklyn punishing the Nets and one of the guys that J.J. said was on a different level from him. Giannis, 44 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, and last night's 120-119 to 119 overtime win over Brooklyn. Why don't we talk about that win for a minute? Because that game was over. The game was already over. The Nets were up 9 with over 3 minutes to go. This was supposed to be their coming out party on national TV. KD and Kyrie playing together at home, going up against the defending champs, and giving themselves a chance to prove that they're so much better than their terrible record. Giving themselves a chance to prove that they're as good as they say they are. It was all right there for them. They were facing a Bucks team that had Chris Middleton ejected with five minutes to go. They had that big lead, clock spinning, and they went right into the tank. Playing at home with KD and Kyrie and no Chris, and they blew it. They lost to a team that had Grayson Allen playing enormous minutes down the stretch. I mean, come on. How do you look at yourself in the mirror after something like that? Brooklyn Come scored on. two points. Come on! Come on. Come on, Brooklyn! Come on. The Nets scored two points in the final four minutes. Come on! That should Come have on. been a double-digit win and an ass-kicking. And it ended up as a loss, an embarrassing loss, a bad loss. 
That should have been a statement win for Brooklyn. Instead, it was a statement loss. A statement that was made last night. And it was made by the guy from Athens. Because the best player on the planet hit a step-back three to tie that game up. Onto the Kumbo. Trummins on. Step-back three for the tie. Got it! Got it! Giannis ties the game and becomes the Bucks' all-time leading scorer on one stroke. Giannis with the step-back three of all things to tie that game up. Then he forced a KD miss at the end of regulation. Durant dribbles with a left hand. He wants his shot. He's going to the free throw line. Comes to a stop. Contested shot. That's off the mark. Carter comes away with a rebound. We're going to overtime here from Brooklyn. It was Giannis all over Durant again. And oh, by the way, that MVP chase, it has just gotten a little more dicey. If your name's Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid. Hell yes. Even when Brooklyn had a chance to finish it off in overtime with the Bucks playing shorthanded, they still could not do it. And sure enough, the best player on the planet won the game from, wait for it, of course, the free throw line. Here comes Giannis, hard into two defenders, Durant and Claxton. Giannis at the line. 44 points for Antetokounmpo. It's Durant for the win. Milwaukee has won it in overtime. 44 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, and the game-winning free throws. I thought the foul line was supposed to be his crit night. Instead, he was 15 of 19 from the stripe, just like he was 17 of 19 in that 50-piece that closed out Phoenix last year. As Drew Holiday said, the MVP award might not even be enough for this guy. Quote, that's definitely the MVP. That's definitely most improved player, which I'm not even sure he can get at this point. He's improved his game a lot, and it's shown from the free throw line to his fadeaway to his three-point shot from last year to this year. It's so much better. That's the thing about this guy. Already the MVP and still improving. The guy's still getting better. Look, I'll freely admit this. J.J. Redick knows way more about basketball than I will ever know. He's forgotten more about basketball than I would ever know. I mean, it's not even close. I've always liked talking to him over the years. I completely respect this guy's opinion. Except in this case, he's completely wrong. I don't need to go over everything that Giannis has done this season. Just look at what he's done in the last week alone. 40 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, and the game-winning block on Tuesday night in Philly. 44 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, and the game-tying three and game-winning free throws last night in Brooklyn. Tuesday, it was Joe. Last night, it was KD. He just went up against two guys who were supposedly better than him, and he worked both of them in their houses. Two guys who are allegedly a level above him, and he outplayed both of them in their cribs. Give the freak some freaking credit. I mean, for real. For real. And don't work too hard on this either. Don't try to make this any more difficult than it really already isn't. Just look at what this guy has done this week alone and then try and tell me he's not the best player on the planet right now. Because you can't. And don't even mention Kyrie in the same breath as Giannis. Irving practically sat out the final nine minutes of that game. Just vanished. 
Maybe it was his own self-imposed vaccine mandate. I don't know. 0 for 3 from the floor. Pretty remarkable that you can forget about the guy being on the floor for the final four minutes of regulation and all five minutes of overtime, and he can still lead the team in shot attempts. Like, I'm not even sure how that works. And I'm not even saying that the Nets are garbage. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that they're a disaster or anything like that. I'm just saying that if you're thinking they'll get back together and roll right through the East, then you are lying to yourself. Just like if you think that Giannis is not the best player on the planet, you are lying to yourself. So, to quote Joe, where's Giannis? Where's Giannis? I'll tell you exactly where Giannis is. Sitting on top of the sport and looking down at everybody else right now, and he better be holding that MVP trophy when it's all over. Giannis not winning the MVP would be a joke. He should also win MVC. Most valuable comedian. Did you check this guy's work earlier this week? What do you call a cow on the floor? Anybody know? Ground beef. <laughs> what do you call a cow on the floor? Ground beef. All right, so I'll admit it. It's no Frank Farton. But then again, what is? Hey, Giannis. Hey, my man. Big dude. Why is an octopus terrible on the basketball court? Because it's always getting called for tentacle fouls. (laughs) Yo, Greek freak. I got another one. I got one for you. Hey, big dude. Why are cats so bad at basketball? They shoot too many Hair balls. <laughs> hey, yo, 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 MVP. I took my broken vacuum back to the store to get fixed. They put a Lakers jersey on it now. It sucks again. <laughs> and now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you do not need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Zach Steffen is my guest. Zach, it's great to have you on the show. Zach, how are you? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm really all good. good to have How you. you doing? Good, dude. Good. All right, so you've officially qualified for the World Cup. Let me start right there. The draw is taking place as we speak. The U.S. is part of it. How does it feel to know that you are going to the World Cup? Let me start right there. Uh, it's amazing, man. Um, just the, the hard work that um, my, my teammates and, and the staff have put in, um, not just these last couple of years, but honestly, like our whole lives just dreaming about Getting to a World Cup, it's it's um, and for it to to finally happen, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. All right, so it seems like there are a lot of moments along the road to qualifying that might jump out. But let me ask you this: How significant was it to get the draw against Mexico on Thursday in a game that you guys dominated on the road? Yeah, it was really important. Um, Azteca is a, a really hard place to play, and that was for a lot of us. That was our first time playing there against Mexico, and and um, we we. 
we had our chances. I mean, we could have taken away the three points. Um, so to get a tie down there, we were happy with it. Um, and it put us in a good spot to, to qualify. Zach Steffen joining us. Let me ask you this. Missing the World Cup in 2018 was something, obviously, that got a lot of attention in the media and the fan base over the last few years. Was it something that you guys talked about at all? And if so, how does it feel to finally put that to bed? <laughs> yeah, man, of course we talked about it. Um, it was just the elephant in the room um, the entire time. And, um, yeah, it feels good um, that we're past that and then everybody can, yeah, like you said, put it to bed. We're talking to Zach Steffen. So in talking to Greg Berhalter numerous times over the last couple of years, we've talked about all the young talent there is on this team and in the national team pool. You're turning 27 tomorrow. So I'm curious, how do you go about approaching your leadership role on this team? Uh, yeah, man. It's So I guess I'm kind of a veteran compared to most of the guys on the team. We're very young. Um, we're very, we're very, um, have a lot of potential. Um, we have a lot of hunger and, and motivation and passion to uh, to prove um, to the world that we can play and, and, and um, we're, we're ready to, to compete against the, the best in, in the world. Um, so for me, it's just as a goalkeeper, you're, you have the best vantage point on the field. So um, for me, it's just all about communication and, and um, on and off the field and trying to trying to be the best leader that I can be and, and best player and um, someone that they, the, the team can count on um, in the back to, to make the plays that are necessary. Um, and then just to push them um, to, to, so that they can reach their, their highest potential. We're talking to Zach Steffen. So you played for Burhalter in Columbus. He'd been a fan of yours going back to when you were at Maryland. What's it been like to play for him both on a club team and the national team? It's been a uh, it's been a journey, man. Um, to see him kind of develop his his um, game plan and, and just his his coaching um, skills and, and techniques and um, it's been cool uh, and it's really fun. He's a, he's a He's a cool guy off the off the soccer field as well, um, and just yeah, I love his music, loves his shoes. He's a big shoe guy, big sneakerhead. Um, so he's always rocking the uh, the, the latest shoes out. Um, so he, he tries to stay hip, and, and um, now nah, it's just been a it's been a pleasure to kind of grow with him and, and learn from him. Hey Zach, I know what you're talking about. I've told the story, but he he used to live in the same area where I live, and our kids played baseball together. So I would sit in the stands with him just before he got that gig. In fact, before the Columbus gig, and we just chop it up. Like really good dude, really really good dude to hang out with. Let me ask you this: How would you describe the way the goalkeeper fits in his system and the responsibilities you have beyond stopping shots? It um it it's very comparable to to Pep. Um, Guardiola and, and the way we play here at Man City. Um, keeper has to be good with the feet. He has to read the game well. Um, most of the time, we start the ball um, w- with the goalkeeper, so we have to. We have to. Our decision making has to be um, has to be uh, correct, and then we got to read the, the the way that the other team's pressing, and so that we can get the ball from. Um, from our goal to to, to their goal and and, um, and get put the ball in the back of the net. You mentioned Pep. For those who do not know, when you're playing in Man City, of course you're playing for Pep, who's regarded as one of the best managers in the entire world. What is it about him that makes him so unique and special? Uh, I I would say just the way he he looks at the game. Um, he's just so detailed and and 
there's not one aspect of the game um, that he hasn't kind of covered in training and video um, and film. Um, he's just so detailed, and um, I'm I'm kind of late to to his reign here at City. Um, he has created a really strong culture um, of hard work and, and focusing on the details and, and doing your job here at City, kind of like the, uh, the the Patriots um, back when Tom Brady was there with Bill Belichick. Um, so, um, yeah, man, he's just so detailed and, and so passionate to, to play um, beautiful soccer, keep the ball on the ground and, and make the other team run and then just be calm and composed and just play. So you and I are chopping it up right now and the draw is going on. Are you kind of watching that with out of the corner of your eye and talking to me at the same time? Like, are you pretty concerned about who you might match up with or are you going to take the approach of we'll play who, who is ever put in front of us? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of watching it. Um, but no, nah, man, we're just excited to be, to be, to be there. Um, it, it's really special to us. So um, we're, we're happy with, with, um, we're happy with whoever we get. Um, or our mentality is going to be the same to go there um, and push as hard as we can and then be together and, and compete and leave everything we have there um, and uh, try to uh, enjoy it as well. Got a few more moments with Zach Steffen. You know, back in November, you signed a new contract with Manchester City. I'm curious, what does the contract represent to you? And then how much pride do you take in the fact that you earned that contract? It just... Um, yeah, that was special. Um, it just represents that they they have trust in me, and that they um, that they uh, see me at the club for for the future, um, and that they um, yeah they like me, man. It's so it's a uh, it's a uh, reassuring feeling, uh, uh, a very pr- proud moment for myself and my family, um, and just gives me extra motivation to go out there and then keep getting better and. and um, doing my best for, for City and, and for the national team. All right, so you co-founded Voice Now. It's a way to come up with ideas and ways to take action and create change when it comes to racism. What inspired you to take this step and be a leader in this area? So back when George Floyd was murdered by the, the police, um, I couldn't sit back anymore and, and be quiet and um, and kind of just let the news kind of fade away um, with my platform that I've created and, and all the connections that I've, I've made um, on and off the soccer field. Um, I knew that it, I had to speak up um, and I wanted to um, to start giving back to, to the future generations um, that, that need our help and need um, a helping hand and, and um and, and yeah, need some help that to to get some opportunities and resources that I had growing up. So, also as a follow up question, Voice Now has collaborated with One Football on a line of clothing. Can you lay that out for me? What's that about exactly? And then, what is the message behind the line? Yeah, it's a, a cool little limited clothing um, collection um, that One Football and, and Voice Now uh, we created, and we wanted to just keep it simple and kind of street style. Um, I'm a big fashion guy. Um, I love my clothing. Um, so, uh, with voice now we want to create, uh, some clothing pieces and, and didn't really have the resources to. So one football stepped in and, and, um, they were able to make it happen. And all the proceeds go to voice now, which in turn go to the boys and girls club of America. Um, 
in nine major U.S. cities, uh, and all the funds will go to them, and and, um, and it'll go to the kids in those clubs to to for whatever they need. If that's food, if that's backpacks, if that's Wi-Fi, if that's kind of keeping the school open for another couple hours um, in the afternoon so that the kids stay off the street. Um, so it's really just kind of giving back to the future generations, and, and um, you get to rock some cool gear as well. So it's kind of two-in-one. Good stuff. Great cause. One last thing. Uh, you went from the U.S. to the U.K., and when you do that, part of the things you have to deal with is the food, right? Your Man City teammate Kyle Walker did a video a while back where you tasted British <laughs> snacks, and he did the same with American snacks. You had something called Vimto Squash. He had a Mountain Dew Code Red. Who won the battle of the drinks? I want. He did not. He was not a big fan of the Mountain Dew Code, code Red. But I would have. I would have just given him the uh, the regular Mountain Dew um, if I could. If I got to pick. Um, so I think. I think the UK won in that one. Um, unfortunately, uh, but we. But the US uh, picked it up in some other. Uh, some other categories. There it is. He is a goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team, a Manchester City goalkeeper as well. He appeared courtesy of Voice Now and One Football. Zach Steffen, my guest. Zach, good luck with it. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of... Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? They're pro athletes. They know exactly what is going into their body because their bodies are their money makers. They know exactly what they're running on. Unless they're DK Metcalf. You should watch what this guy eats because it is mind-blowing and face-melting. Like, think of the guy. Think of what this guy looks like. Think of how freaky he is athletically. All right, keep that in mind, right? Just get your vision of that. He sat down with Kevin Garnett recently, and they were talking about a number of things, including nutrition. It is so shocking what this guy said. I have to go Zapruder film on it. I cannot play the entire clip right out of the box. I need to break it down literally frame by frame. Talk about how important nutrition is. Nutrition is huge. I'm probably, I'm probably the worst person to ask that. <laughs> Uh, are you eating pa- you eating Popeyes, churches? Nah, see, you from I, the city, city a, too. I know you be eating coon soup. Yeah, that's some be shit. A, I'm a candy type person. Um, what? All right, so the sound that KG makes when Metcalf says, I'm a candy type person, is incredible. Like, Garnett's like, what? What? Because KG knows the kind of shape that Metcalf is in. So you're expecting to hear that he's eating a lot of fish. 
Turns out you're right. Except it's Swedish fish. What? What we know at this point is that DK is a candy person. But then again, pretty much we all are. We're all candy people. We're such candy people that we have a day every October where people go door to door asking for candy. Pretty much everybody has a sweet tooth. Everybody enjoys some candy now and then. Except Metcalf, he's not that guy. He's not like that. He's not a now and then guy. He's a now and now guy. He's a now and later guy. When he says he's a candy type person, he means he's a candy type person. I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. Man, define bags of candy, man. Jelly like beans? A, nah, see, I'm a gummy, gummy, gummy type of guy. So you get your lifesavers. Come on, man. Stop, stop, man. Come on. Hold on. Hold on, man. Man, define a bag of candy type guy, man. Like at this point, KG has heard more than enough. Except we haven't even gotten started yet. KG is about to lose his mind, and DK is just getting loose. I can't tell if KG wants to fight him or just end the interview on the spot because dude looks completely repulsed. If you see it on video, he looks completely repulsed and disdainful and insulted, or he looks like somebody ran his dog over and dragged him. Not DK, though. DK is having a day. DK thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Check this guy out. So yesterday I woke up, worked out, worked out again, came home, showered. I'm hungry. Run to Starbucks, get a quick coffee. That's going to hold me to like 4, 5 o'clock. This 12. Okay. That's going to hold me for like 4 hours. Dang. Around 4.30, I ordered some candy and a water. So I got, what did I get yesterday? Got the Skittles gummies. Then I got uh, the Lifesaver Creations. They the same size bag, so I just mix them. So it's safe to say we're going to see a DK gummy at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, y'all heard it. Get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's going to hold me to like... 8 o'clock where I'm having dinner, 8, 9. And then I eat dinner, go to sleep. That's an everyday thing? That's a That's Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, Monday through Monday? You know, not you eat candy like that, huh? Yeah. I'm a candy eater, yeah. Yeah, sounds like it. I, I love also, I, just, <laughs> I love everything about that. I like that when he finally does get to an actual meal, it's like at 9 o'clock, right? One of the great violations right there. Is this DK Metcalf or Augustus Gloop? DK, save some room for later, sweetheart. Augusto, sweetheart, save some room for later. Like, I'm not sure what's worse, that this guy actually does this, and not on a cheat day, but every day. It's a lifestyle. I'm not sure what's worse, that he actually does this or that he actually admits it. Not only admits it, but loves it. Not only loves it, but seems proud as hell of it. DK's not a candy type person. He's a made out of candy person. He's a sour patch kid with a crazy 40. 40. Just watching that, my teeth nearly rotted out my head. I thought KG's head was going to melt. Hey, look, what? I get it too. You always want to be running on premium fuel, and this dude is dumping sugar into the gas tank of a Ferrari, literally, not even a figure of speech. 
This dude built himself a Ferrari, and every afternoon he is pouring a big-ass bag of granulated sugar right into it and laughing at all of us. (laughs) Just to recap, this dude works out twice a day. He has coffee around noon as his first, quote, meal because that's got to hold him over to his next meal. And his next meal is three to four bags of candy and water. That's his second meal. And then he has a late dinner, which he implies is actual food. But what is it really? He didn't say what he eats for his dinner. It's probably cake and ice cream. Like, how the hell is this guy not morbidly obese? How does this guy still have his teeth? How does any of this work? Remember when DK chased down Buddha Baker? And it was one of the most amazing things ever. Yeah, well, he's running down diabetes. Diabetes, even diabetes, f- diabetes, diabetes. Even faster. Diabetes. And I love the fact that he's washing it all down with water. I love that it was important to him to let everybody know that he has water with all those gummy Skittles and Lifesavers. You know, because he wants to be healthy. Signed, having a Diet Coke with your value meal. My man, at some point, you may as well pair those sacks of gummy lifesavers with some Mountain Dew or straight chocolate syrup. Why wouldn't you? The only thing more psychotic than eating three to four bags of candy a day is washing it all down with water. That is some grade A serial killer stuff right there. Just sitting there with your mixed bag of gummy lifesavers and gummy Skittles and a big old glass of water. DK's dentist had to hear that and burst into applause. Give the guy a standing ovation and then start pricing out a vacation home and a new Bentley. Because that dental practice will be good for years. As long as DK's still a client. My guy is on the Dwight Howard diet. You remember that, right? When Howard was eating the equivalent of 24 candy bars a day. Fact. That's not hyperbole. He was eating the equivalent of two dozen candy bars a day, and he did it for years. Nearly an entire decade. And the only reason he stopped was because, quote, Howard's legs tingled. And people around the Lakers, quote, noticed he was having trouble catching passes, too, as if his hands were wrapped in oven mitts. End of quote. In other words, this dude was shoveling so many gobstoppers into his gob that he was losing feeling in his extremities. Can you believe that? It's true. DK, my guy, you're on that same plan. Let me in, I'm starving. And the insane thing is, The insane thing about this whole thing is it it works. It's working for him at the moment. It's working better than any other plan in the world. Nobody could look at this guy and say, DK is out of shape. He'd be a really good player if he just cut out the sweets and got in better shape. Because you can't get in better shape than this guy's in. He looks like he lives on broccoli, grilled chicken, and protein shakes. Instead, he lives on coffee, lifesavers, and probably has a case of the sugar shakes. This dude's body fat percentage is negative. He's freakishly strong. He is crazy chiseled. And the only thing freakier than his strength is his diet. And let me just go ahead and say it. That's insane. 
and insanely unfair. If I even think about a piece of candy, I get fat. And this guy is shoveling garbage bags of it into his face every day, and he's the most chiseled dude walking the planet. It's wild. Like, even Rit can't believe the amount of sugar that this dude is dumping down his gullet every single day. Yeah, I'm jealous. Really jealous. This freaking guy. I eat a donut, and I want to kill myself. My pantry would be a healthier alternative to what this guy eats. DK should change his name to Eminem Metcalf. I mean, if this dude were to switch to chicken and green veggies, he'd probably run the speed of light. But then again, maybe not. Maybe it would slow him down and make him fat. Fat! DK's metabolism is telling the food pyramid... F them fish. F them picks. F them whole grains. F them picks. F them fiber. F them picks. F them lean proteins. F them picks. Can you imagine this dude's contract negotiations? Hey, hey, Seattle, if you're trying to sign the guy, don't pay him in cash. Pay him in 100 grand bars. Hey, Seattle. John Schneider slides the contract across the table with a pen. DK's agent says, uh-uh, not good enough. Schneider slides a Reese's peanut butter cup across the table. How about now? DK jumps out his seat. Done! Parents, it is time. Time to finally cross off one of the most important things on your to-do list. Life insurance. Fabric makes getting a great term life insurance policy for your family quick, easy, and surprisingly affordable. You see, Fabric was built specifically for parents to help you manage your family's financial future like a parenting pro, stress-free. Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. And everything is on your schedule with Fabric because it's all online. Less than 10 minutes to apply and you can be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Then, just personalize your quote to fit your family's needs, and you'll be set with high-quality, affordable protection for your family. There is no risk to apply today. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Protect your family with term life insurance right now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at meetfabric.com slash Rome. Again, that's meetfabric.com dot com slash r-o-m-e to start protecting your family right now m-e-e-t fabric.com slash rome fabric insurance agency policies issued by vantas life not available in new york and montana prices subject to underwriting and health questions jack Cohn joins us right now jack it's good to have you on how are you I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, Jack. So you're coming off a really strong year at Notre Dame, and now you're going into the NFL draft. You had previously made the transition, of course, from Wisconsin to Notre Dame. So what's it like now to prepare for the transition from college to the NFL? Yeah, it's been great. I feel like my transition from Wisconsin to Notre Dame really prepared me for this experience going from college to the NFL. Sort of just had a practice run at you know transitioning to a new locker room and building new relationships with guys 
and learning a whole new playbook and, you know, having to come in and compete and have success right away. So I think if I'm well well prepared for this, I'm excited. Yeah, the truth is you did that too, and you made that look pretty easy. I'm sure it wasn't, but you made it look seamless. Tommy Rees, who was your offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, said the only disappointment was that he only had one year with you. How were you able to come into a new situation, win the starting job, and establish yourself as a leader as quickly as you did? Yeah, I mean, really, it was all about hard work for me. I mean, you don't want to be that new guy that comes in and is you know, pretty loud and arrogant, trying to control everything right away. So for me, it was really just coming in and leading by example and really just building trust with the guys through workouts and through different throwing sessions and then becoming more vocal through that. Jack Cohen joining us. You know, Jack, it seems like what we're talking about here, of course, is the standard, right? Reese said that he used to show other quarterbacks the standard for the program and that you were coming through the door and you were the one setting the standard. Where did you learn that standard and that approach? Yeah, I think I learned it from my family growing up. Um, my dad's a blue-collar guy, so he taught me a lot about hard work growing up, and I always want to be like him and you know how he works tremendously hard. And then as far as growing up, too, just all the different coaches I've had from youth leagues to high school, and then obviously Wisconsin and then Notre Dame. So I had a ton of experience with a lot of people that taught me about hard work growing up, and I think it's really benefited me. All right, so one of the things about Standard, or maybe one of the highlights that jumps out, is that game against Toledo where you dislocated your finger, you had the trainer pop it back in, and then you threw the game-winning TD. What do you remember about that particular sequence? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty crazy sequence. I mean, of course, my finger popped out. It's probably the worst possible time in the game, so... It's pretty hectic, but, um, you know, your adrenaline's going so much at that point that you don't even really feel it. Um, but fortunately, my trainer was able to pop it back in, and, you know, Mike Mayer, our tight end, got open the next play, and I was able to hit him for a touchdown. So pretty cool moment. Um, wish the game wasn't that close, but uh, it was still a cool moment. It was. Jack Cohn joining us. So looking back, what was the biggest challenge in going from Wisconsin's offense to Notre Dame's offense? Yeah, I mean, I'd say Notre Dame's a little bit more of a spread system. So it's really coming in and, you know, learning some new pass concepts or learning, you know, similar pass concepts to what you've already known, but sort of just looking at them in a different way and obviously being, you know, more spread out, more RPO games, um, you know, less huddle, more tempo. And I was just learning the new terminology of everything. It's probably the biggest adjustment. You know, as some people know, your connection to Notre Dame goes back a long, long time. You've got four uncles who have ND-related tattoos. You had a Notre Dame poster on your ceiling and more. How did that connection between Notre Dame and your family start back in the day? Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think it's just because, you know, my dad's side of the family is a bunch of Irish guys that sort of like to drink a little bit. So I think that's sort of where the love came from. Um, and yeah, really just growing up watching a bunch of great players at Notre Dame, um, really just made me want to go there. All right. So initially you were going to play lacrosse at Notre Dame, but you ended up playing football at Wisconsin. When you had the chance to be a graduate transfer, how did it feel to finally get back to Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it was pretty crazy how everything sort of came full circle and it was always my dream to play there. So right when they you know, came and pretty much offered me the transfer portal, I, I knew that was where I wanted to go. I mean, Jack, it seems to me like you, you're going to handle this a certain way, and I understand this, the right way. And I, I'm not even saying there's not a way to handle it, but what I'm getting at is this. You put up numbers. You put up numbers that you put up at Notre Dame, and when you did that, was there any part of you that wanted to say to everybody, how do you all like me now, and were you looking to prove people wrong, or were you looking to pe- prove the people who believed in you right? Yeah, I mean, I really just, to be honest with you, I, I just like to go out there and have fun and play the game I love. But, um, I mean, I guess... You know, more so, I, I do want to prove the people that believe in me right. I know I have a lot of supporters and believers out there that you know, watch me every weekend and are always checking down on me. So 
we just want to make those people proud. Talking to Jack Cohn. Now, one of the guys that you wanted to prove right, I'm sure, one of the guys who believed in you is one of my favorite guys, and that's Phil Sims. I love Phil Sims. And his son, Matt, worked with you. What were those sessions yep. like, and what did you learn from Phil and Matt? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I've been working with those guys for a few years now, but this was really the most consistent I was able to work with them. Um, but, I mean, Matt's just an unbelievable coach. I mean, he teaches you, you know, basically how to throw with all different arm angles, how to throw with more power, how to be more accurate. And I really had to throw and, you know, keep your arm healthy, not, not from getting sore. Um, it's really taught me a ton and as far as the X's and O's as well. And you know, we have a great relationship, and I'm so thankful for those guys. You know, Jack, I've been on the NFL and CBS for a number of seasons, so I see Phil in person seven or eight times a year. And the guy's just – he's hilarious. He's like the best dude, and he just likes to break balls. And he's just – he's so funny. Do you have a good Phil Sims story for me? I'll take anything sure at all. You know, I will say that it was funny. Actually, after the combine, I had like two weeks where I had to head to Notre Dame for the pro day. So I actually lived at his house. Um, so I spent a ton of time with him. Um, I mean, he was cooking me breakfast. I'd say that, you know, one thing I'd say is he loves to eat. And two, I mean, he, he loves football. I mean, he'll talk about football all day and all night. So it was it was unbelievable getting to, getting to be with him. That is so funny. I love that. I'm so glad I asked. You got to live at the guy's house. Like, I want to be that guy. I, I wish I could get an invite to his house. But, dude, you're right. He loves football. That guy could talk football 24-7. He absolutely loves it. So as you've been going through the draft evaluation process, what are the aspects of your game and your personality that you want teams to know about? Yeah, I'd say, you know, first and foremost, I'm a great teammate and I'm an extremely hard worker. Um, and because of that, I feel like I'm extremely prepared for every game I play in. And that allows me to, you know, basically play fast and make good decisions and really be accurate with the football. Um, but, yeah, just overall, I feel like I'm a hardworking guy that's going to come in and do whatever it takes to help the team. So, Jack, last thought, you've mentioned that a couple of times. And in listening to people talk about you, it always comes up, this notion of hard work and work ethic. You made the point, quote, that in the NFL, the guys that work hard and truly process or understand the process are the ones that are successful and sustain their careers. So give me a sense. Who are some of the guys in the league that you look up to and maybe even might pattern yourself after? Yeah, I mean, one I'd say is Tom Brady. I mean, obviously, I've got to watch him a ton growing up. Um, he's been a great role model for me and just the way he dedicated his life to football. And, I mean, he basically makes every decision based on what's going to make him a better football player. And you see how prepared he is when he goes in every single game. And just the competitive spirit he has is something I try to have as well. All right, so the NFL draft is getting underway on April 28th. He's a former Notre Dame quarterback coming off a big, big year. Jack Cohen, my guest. Jack, great talking to you. I appreciate it. Good luck on draft day. And I will be curious to talk to you when you find out where you're going to live and work after that. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful. Like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all of the cash back that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Big head bets with James Kelly. He of the big head. Yo, head, what's up? Not much, Jim. What's going on? Lots of stuff, Head. Lots okay. of stuff. In fact, mm -hmm. before we get into our picks for the Final Four and maybe even some NFL futures, I want to hit you with something else off the top, all right? Okay. Interesting thing about this show is the XR4TI generally has different views on some of the things that happen during any given show, different views on the clones themselves. Now, for the record, I don't know where the hell you live, 
Uh-huh. I don't know what the hell you do all day long, right. but I do know that you've been on our payroll for a very long time. So mm-hmm. theor- theoretically, you do work on the show, right? <laughs> That's correct. Yep. So let me ask you this, and I know you have opinions, many of which I don't agree with, <laughs> but I want to ask you, where do you come out on James in Portland generally? And then specifically, what did you think when you heard him say yesterday, it's booger sugar, not shaft sugar, Alvy. Booger sugar, not shaft sugar. Man, my wife tells me on the daily I need to grow the hell up. You know I'm all about James in Portland, him, Lester, John, and Little Rock. It was absolute gold. My eyes were watering for about an hour and a half yesterday. I've been still singing uh, Shaft Sugar around the house. Shaft Sugar! See, you like that stuff, right? <laughs> Love it. The, the other thing is you're a big Eric Church guy, aren't you? Yeah, I, I actually like Eric Church. I'm not a big country guy, but Eric Church, uh, you said like Chris Stapleton too yesterday. He's a good dude too. All right, there you go. Now that we got that out of the way, generally speaking, mm-hmm. as you look at the Final Four, are you feeling chalky or are you hunting value this weekend? Diverse approach here, Jim, actually, because we have a Futures uh, National Championship ticket, so it's a little diverse, I'd say, looking for a fantastic weekend of value. Uh, okay, a fantastic weekend of value, and yes, you and I are sitting on a Futures ticket. So why don't we start with the first game? Let's get right at it. You got Villanova in Kansas, obviously, head as you know, this is an enormous Jay Wright house. I love the dude, and I would love to pose the question, does Villanova's best beat Kansas's best? But of course, I can't because Villanova is going to be without a guy that Jay Wright has called his most important player, Justin Moore. Terrible blow for Villanova, who already lacks depth and has played much of the season with a six-player rotation. Now, head, if anybody can overcome something like that, it's Jay Wright. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that anybody can overcome something like that. It just might be too big of an ask even for Jay Wright. However, if you believe deeply in the guy and his culture and the way his teams show up this time of year, you can have Jay Wright and the Wildcats and four and a half. Question is, given how loaded the Jayhawks are and how well they're playing, is that enough for you, Head, to take Villanova? It's not. I'm taking KU and laying the points here. Nova and Jay scare the hell out of me for sure. They shot the ball horribly last week. So law of averages would uh, say they'll shoot the ball better tomorrow. But the depth problem that you just said, that's real, man. Caleb Daniels is going to have to step up. He's good. He can get buckets. But I just don't think it's enough to replace more. They need both of these dudes to hang with the Jayhawks. Kansas is layered. The Jayhawks? Jayhawks. They inside. They beat you inside, outside, and off the bench, Jim, with Remy Martin. They are also good on the glass and defend the three really well, which is Nova's strength. Now, the Jayhawks have been a um, – You nailed say, it that time. You, yeah, you, you landed the plane on that one. I'm going to nail this, too. They're, they've been ass against the spread in the NCAA tournament the ass for a while. is not a hard word for, even for you to say. That's not hard to nail. Two and five in their last seven games against the spread in the NCAA tournament. I'm laying the points and going rock chalk Jayhawk right here. There you go. Hey, listen, Jay writes my dude. I think he's an incredible coach. I think he's an amazing motivator, especially this time of year. I've done everything I possibly could to try to talk myself into this, to try to make an argument for him in this spot. I just can't do it. I'm with you. Without more, they just do not have the firepower to keep up with the Jayhawks. Who've got too many weapons and too many ways to hurt you. Hey, listen, I hope I'm wrong because I'm a huge Jay Wright guy. But looking at it objectively, I have to take Kansas. I will lay the points as well. I'm with you. I love Jay. 
but he can't handle the rock. He can't hit the glass. He can't get a hand in anybody's face. All of the things that Moore can do and they need him to do here, but they don't have him. All right, let's move on to the other one. Duke and Carolina. Duke v. Carolina. Arguably the best rivalry in the entire sport. Inarguably the most important game in the history of the best rivalry in that sport. They have never played one another in the NCAA tournament, much less in the Final Four, much less during Coach K's last dance. In other words, this bleep head is as good as it gets. They hate each other. Carolina already snatched K's soul once by doing him in his final game at Cameron Indoor. Do it again tomorrow, and they will be able to talk junk about their enemy for all of eternity, and Coach K will take back-to-back beatings by his sworn enemy right into the afterlife. This, to me, is what it comes down to. There is so much to like about Carolina, especially the way they're playing right now and how well they've done against the spread. I know you'll cover that. Mm -hmm. The number is four, right? That's Mm -hmm. a tremendous value given how well Carolina is playing and the fact that they punked Duke last out and given what the stakes are right now. How are you playing it, and is that number four? So we have that plus 1,200 future in play for the Blue Devils to win the national championship here, Can Jim, I stop so you right there? How smart do we feel right about now about that? Dude, we'd look way smart if Purdue would have beat St. Peter's and made it here, but the 1,200, very smart, and this could save us a lot of damage, I would say. Right. I, I think we're around like 50%, but this could absolutely turn into gold if the Blue Devils win, but because I have that ticket, dude, the hedge is on here. I'll take the four points in North Carolina. The key is Armando Baycott in their first matchup. Dude, he stop, got into- stop right there for a minute. That's a really important point for our, our newbies. What you just said, because you're holding a ticket that's plus 1,200 for Duke, you're going to hedge and take Carolina in the points, right? Yeah, that's right. So just in case, you know, I, North Carolina that's wins, right. I win a little bit here and not lose as much money as I never had. But okay, there you go. So why do you like them? Lay it out. Armando Baycott, uh, in their first matchup, he got into foul trouble early, and Duke got off to a 31-8 to start, and they cruised to a win. In the second game, he stayed on the floor, scored 23, and they won. When he's on the court, they control the glass, and their three-point shooting right now outside of the St. Peter's game has been on fire of late. Their first three games in the tournament, they hit 10 or more trays each game, and since mid-February... They are one of the best teams defensively in the country. I like these guys. They've won 10 of 11 games. The spread numbers, like you just said, they are on fire. They've won four straight versus it, four straight as an underdog, and 9-9-1 and in their last 11 games against a team with a winning record. Let's hope Duke wins by three. And we could win both here, but I'm taking Carolina plus four. Bam! Exactly the way I see it. That's the thing. We're holding that ticket, that plus 1,200 ticket. So I I just don't see the GOAT, Coach K, especially with all that NBA talent that he's got playing for him right now, losing mm-hmm. to Carolina back-to-back and ending his career on that note. I just can't see that. I can't see him letting that happen. I can't see his guys letting that happen, especially after they were already punked by Carolina. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think that Duke wins the game, but nice. but I also like the hedge. I am hunting value. There is so much to like about Carolina, the way they're playing, the fact that they're not afraid, their numbers against the spread. I'm with you. I think that Duke wins that game by three, but the spread is four. I'm going to go about it the same way. I'm nice. with you. So you and I are on the same exact page. Let's talk before you go. Mm-hmm. NFL. Let's do some NFL. Our pals at DraftKings Mm -hmm. pushed out some NFL over-unders this week. Let's give the clones some bonus stuff. I know you love to hit the NFL futures. It gives you something to track all season, and it represents potentially a really nice payoff at the end. So win-win. Let me start with a few things. Mm -hmm. Chiefs, 
while everybody is loading the hell up in the AFC West. The Chiefs were getting rid of their most important offensive player, not named Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. What is the number on the Chiefs, the over-under, and how are you going to play that? Because everybody else is adding, and they got rid of a key, key guy. Yeah, I, I understand why they got rid of Tyreek from a financial standpoint, but I hate it on the field. The number right here is 11 wins for the season. I'm going under here, actually. They're going uh, coming off an AFC championship game meltdown. They are worse on offense without Hill. Their overall defensive talent probably was the worst in the division with the Raiders, and they're going to lose the Honey Badger as well. Add the fact what you just said, the AFC uh, West getting better with two new potential Super Bowl teams and the Chargers and the Broncos, and their schedule, Jim, outside the West is brutal. They got the Rams, Bucks, Bengals, Niners, Titans, and Bills. I see a KC regression at first. They could heat up towards playoff time, but under 11 wins. Interesting. All right, so the under on 11 or for the Chiefs. Now, if we're going to talk about the team that got rid of him, let's talk about the team that's the beneficiary and the team that gets him, Miami. What's the number there? What kind of an impact does that pickup have on them? The number is eight and a half here. They actually have the same number as the Patriots, which maybe the books are seeing the Matt Patricia and Joe Judge taking the offense over and don't like New England much. But I'm going under as well here. I love Mike McDaniel, but that organization is still dysfunctional as hell. Brian Flores did a hell Brian. of a job. Brian Flores did a hell of a That's job. That's how you said. You said Brian. <laughs> Continue. I know they got Hill, like you said, and they signed uh, Taron Armstead and Connor Williams to help that line. I'm just not buying it. They will still struggle to keep Tua upright, and New England is still the second-best team in that division behind Buffalo, under eight-and-a-half wins for the Miami Dolphins. How do you nail Taron but jack up Brian? Anyway, the other shocking move, especially when it went down, was Devontae Adams bouncing from Green Bay and moving to Las Vegas. Can't say that I saw that coming ahead, especially after Aaron Rodgers signed. It almost felt like a condition of Rodgers re-upping, right? Ah, Devontae had other plans. How different are the Packers without him? What's the over-under on wins for Green Bay? So they are tied with the Chiefs for the second highest win total at 11 for the season. And despite the fact that Devontae is gone and so is MVS, I'm still going to go with Aaron, man. I'm going to go. They've won 13 games, three straight seasons, and I think they can again. Their division is horrible. Their defense got better last season. They fired their special teams coach. That's probably worth five wins alone. <laughs> Plus, their line will be healthy this year, a lot better. That's and probably worth five money. wins alone, dude. Did you just say that? <laughs> Probably a Super Bowl and five wins. How bad that special team was. That's probably that's probably worth a dynasty alone. They got rid of the worst <laughs> special teams coach in the league. All right, in the history of football, right there. They also have some money and they have four picks in the top sixty of the draft. So bring Aaron in a few wep uh, weapons here. I still think they can win the Lombardi, believe it or not, and go over. Uh, 11 wins on the season You here. love Aaron. I respect love that Aaron. about you. You defend him always. Go. We're yep. doing a big, fat, big head bet segment. It's not over ah. yet. Let me finish that same thought. So if Green Bay loses this guy, let's talk about the team that gets this guy. I love what the Raiders have done this offseason. What's the over-under on their win total, and which way are you leaning? Eight and a half wins is the Vegas total, and I'm going under over. here again. Oh. Yes. Under okay. again. Look, dude, I'm with you on Josh McDaniels. I think this will be his best version here, but they were well coached last season as well. They won a ton of close games and had the most walk-off wins in a season since the 1970 merger. They were outscored by 65 points last season and still won 10 games. They were the definition of overachievers. Also, 
for uh, all their improvements this offseason. They still have not fixed that offensive line under eight and a half wins for the Raiders. Sorry, Raider Nation. I'm going over. I'm taking okay. over on the eight and a half. All right, so one last thing. Somehow, somewhere, your guy Les Need found a way to get Bobby Wagner under the cap. Yes. Yes. First of all, what do you think about that? How did I mean, is the cap, is there actually a cap or is there a cap that applies to everybody except for the Rams or how does that work? And then what is their number? Yeah, the, the Rams and the Saints are playing the same playbook, so I'm really not sure how they get around it. And everybody else has to kind of play within the rules, but they do a damn good job. The number is 10 and a half. Love the signing. They now have three superstars on three levels on that defense. I am smashing the over 10 and a half mm. here. They won a Super Bowl in Stafford's first season in McVay's system. Seattle loses Russ. The 49ers are rolling with Trey Lance. And who knows what the hell is going on in Arizona right now. Plus, Allen Robinson, one of the most underrated wideouts in football, over 10.5 for the Rams. All right, so one last thought. Hang in there, Head. You're doing a great job. This is our biggest, fattest segment we have ever done. I want to ask you about Tampa Bay because it doesn't seem like Vegas sees very much of a difference between Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. Do you? And how are you playing them? What's their number? Yeah, I don't think there's a drop-off at all much unless uh, B.A. I guess now B.A. can stop messing with Tom and Byron's game plan as much. So the win total would be 11.5. It's actually the highest in the NFL with the uh, Bills, and I'm going Bills. over here too. Bills. It, Bills. Right, anyway, go ahead. Bills. Yes, yep. the Buffalo Bills, 11.5. I'm going over here surprisingly. I want him to win the Super Bowl, but they could win 12 games with this horrible division. Ritz Panthers aren't even the worst team in that division now. The Falcons are. I don't even think Calvin Ridley would hit, uh, hit his five and a half over for the Falcons right now. I'm going to go Bucks <laughs> over 11 and a half. I want you to know this. If you do not, you're granted one use of cereal ass per segment. If you do not use it, you lose it. It does not carry cereal over ass. next week. So keep that in mind. It's not, I, they're, they're like timeouts. If you don't use them, the they go South. away. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. So what's cereal ass? Uh, Ritz Panthers. Lately, there you go. Probably the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's a big old reset. Head before we go to break, can you run it down quickly, top to bottom, final four, NFL futures? Give the clones something to think about. Who you got? Uh, final four, KU minus four and a half over Nova, Carolina plus four v Duke. We have the plus twelve hundred for the Duke winning the national championship. That's still in play. NFL over under wins of the season, under eleven wins KC. Under eight and a half wins for Miami, over Green Bay and 11 wins. Under eight and a half for the Raiders, over 10 and a half wins for the Rams, and over 11 and a half wins for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dude, so well done. That was the equivalent of maybe three normal big head bet segments. We got it all into one, and yes, you and I both are respectively holding our own plus 1,200 tickets. We're not rooting. We're just saying, mm -hmm. head, great job. Put it up on Twitter for anybody who missed it. I will retweet it, and a great job by you. Thanks, Jim. Brian Flores. Brian. Brian appreciates that very much. Let's make some Let's money. make some money, Head. <laughs> I think now would be as good a time as any for a decade yeah, on a Monday. Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. You might be asking yourself, Rome, why are you doing that on a Monday? To pump myself up. And now we've got a Final Four. You know I want to start right there, right? Unless something's so insane. Then I got to go there. Oh, the Oscars. It's unavoidable. Inevitable. Yeah! Oh, wow. I mean, you want to talk about a holy bleep Will moment. Smith just smacked the out of I it. think there are better ways to handle it than that. Vessel of vessel love or vessel of overreaction. Okay, Frage. You see everyone automatically pull out their phone. People are like, oh, what just happened? Everybody thought it was a skit until Will started yelling. He 
When Will started yelling, everybody's like, oh my God, this is real. What? My bracket is completely destroyed after last night. I had Amy Schumer getting assaulted by Kirsten Dunn. I cannot believe how many of you steadfastly believe that that had to have been staged. Looked like a, a regular WWF to me, like Hulk Hogan. Again, for who? For what? Just looking for better ratings uh, next year. What's he get out of that? I mean, are any good movies even come out anymore? Pat Forty. Glad we could talk a little basketball in and around the Oscar fisticuffs. Twitter. Frank Martin. More like Frank Farton. Because UMass stinks. Like, I literally can't stop laughing. And not because of how funny it is, but how lame it is. The NFL coach's photo. That's my Oscars red carpet. Never mind what Andrew Garfield is wearing. I am more interested in what Andrew Reed is wearing. Coach, yeah. coach, not, just, a not, just a couple. Who are you wearing? Please. The snakes are like 12 feet long. The spiders are huge. Jermaine Samuels Jr. Buff and Bob Craig. Do you know these dudes? Who? This is Jay's crew. Maybe I have. I I'm going to take that as a no. no, bro. If and when I get back there to see those guys, I'm going to bring you with me. Sounds like a plan. Levi Wallace is my guest. Did you also play intramural flag football? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it, man. I freaking felt like I was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. Honestly, we lost in the championship game. I don't know. They must have watched film on me or something. I was getting blitzed all day. Brandon, speaking of the young guys, you were rocking a t-shirt to the facility that referenced In Living Color. It was a home of the clown shirt. JJ had asked me, he's like, bro, you just like clowns or something like that. And I was like... No, you didn't. Homie, don't play that. Bud Black. Just had flashbacks of you and I at San Diego State with you and the mighty 1090. Puts a big smile on my face to be back. It is clearly marked yield. Yield. Do you know what that word means? They should actually repaint it so it reads yield. What's going on, Phil? What is your beat? Hey, Jim. Thanks for the vine. Yep. Jonathan, what's your beef? Yes, my beef is with those moving escalators at the airport. Global warming. Well, my beef is with journals that use the word penultimate. I just want to call it the guy saying you hate some people who use big words. Penultimate, as an example. Eric Church failed on 19,000 fans to watch the penultimate game of the NCAA tournament. Lester, Mobile, Alabama. I'm sick to my stomach about Eric Church. When I broke up with my sister, Eric Church was the only thing that got me through the breakup, man. <laughs> Dude, tell me that was not just another show. And he looks me dead in the eye. You are a d bag. Get out of my face look. It was just another show. Quinn Cook. I flip my mindset. Stop making excuses. Look at myself and change myself. Now, I'm not an overseas player. I'm an NBA player. No disrespect to anybody who plays overseas. No disrespect. Breaking news out of the NFL. Bruce Arians is retiring. Don't uh, tell me those two things aren't connected. Arians saw Brady and thought, no risk it, no biscuit is worth this. No risk it, no biscuit. The take about the guy who's Penis turned black and rotted after he blasted it with cocaine. I am a tequila guy. I will never put my beloved 42 into a syringe and blast it into my manhood. Alvy, my man. Dude, dude. It's booger sugar, not shaft sugar. Shaft sugar. Take me all right. Get him on my team. He is Sam Farmer. So Sorry, you I missed the uh, funny moment there. Yeah, it would take it, it would be impossible even to explain. <laughs> they shoot too many hair balls. You are a troll ass. 
<laughs> Just don't think it's good enough to replace more. They need both of these dudes to hang with the Jaga Hawks. What? Kansas to who? Layered. The Jaga Hawks? The Jaga Hawks. It was a G.I. Jane jump. I'm just always in my process. Cover up your lumpy butts. Penultimate. Look forward to coming back at any time, man. Opera House is there. Happily dating my cousin. Cocaine is not the devil. C. Ah. Exhibit A. Cocaine. Bliant Flores. I love you, man. I'm always here for you. Greatest night in the history of television. Good night now! Good night now!